want to talk about a connected life. Um, a lot of us, uh, I think we, it's easy to disconnect. And when Shagun said that, that I have a word for today, I really do. I have a word specifically for today. And um, I was thinking about this. Like, I want, I want us to, to stop having these moments with God and then, then we, we seem, seem like we move away from his presence. Or these, these encounters with him and, 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 and then it feels like we're on our own. That's not exactly how it is at all. He said he would never leave us nor forsake us that he would go with us to the end of the earth. As a matter of fact, every step that we take, he is Emmanuel, God with us. He walks beside us. Then he said he would send us the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who walks with us, the, the dove that rests upon our shoulders and stays with us forever. Um, and this is the life that we have. So Father, I just ask that you would bless us today. I pray that you would anoint us. I ask that you would give me the words to say, help me to say the things that I need to say. And God, I ask that we would find a good place in our heart that it would produce good fruit today, Lord. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. I'm just going to jump into this, and I'm going to start right here, okay? Um, we have a real enemy. We don't, I don't like to talk about Satan. I don't like to capitalize his name when I'm typing or making notes. Um, I, I just don't like to give him any credit at all. Uh, I think he's a bum. Let's be honest, right? He picks on weak people. He picks on people that are in their worst moments of their life. He lies to people. He sees things that are really good and tries to pervert them. He's a really bad guy. And I don't like to talk about him. I don't like to give him any praise. But there is, it is a fact that this evil being hates us and he is our enemy. There's no truce with him. There's no common ground. There's no, oh, he'll leave me alone. He's not leaving us alone. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> like, he really hates us because when he looks at us, he sees Jesus. Yeah. He sees the image of God written upon us, and he hates us. And he's real. And he, he's, he's not all by himself either. He's got forces of darkness and evil that work with him. Now, I always think about it. I'm like, <laughs> I think about this when we talk about, like, like, government or big big businesses that get too bloated they're like well how can they they don't do anything efficiently right like the post office or the or the dps you're like if that's the way the government runs things then there's no way they're doing all these other things because they're not good at that so how i think about satan like how can they work together there's no unity in his army there's no like longevity and, and faithfulness in his army, but he is real and he does have forces. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that one third of all of the angels chose his side in, in, in the fall. They picked Satan. They, one third of all the angels left and went with Satan when he fell from heaven and rebelled against God. That's kind of awesome because if only one third went with him, then that means there's two thirds with us, right? There's two thirds with us. So if you ever feel like, man, I'm overwhelmed. The enemy's fighting. Thank you, sir. If the enemy's fighting and it's like, oh, the demons are all around me. Well, there's two times more angels than demons. So remember that. But it is real. And we do have an enemy who hates us, who wants to destroy us. And his, uh, his and his forces main devotion, they devote themselves to separate us from God. That's their goal. Listen to me. Their goal is not to get me to commit this horrible sin. Their goal is to get me to separate from God. 
The sin is the byproduct of the separation. He's not focused on, oh, I want to get you to, to, to have an affair. I want to get you to steal money. I want you to get to gossip or lie. Or I want, to get, I want to get you to do these little white lies and stuff. No, that's not what he's, he's focused on. How can I get you to disconnect just a little bit and a little bit and a little bit from God? Because if he can do that with us, then everything else comes with it. And it starts with just disconnection. So his main purpose and his main goal is to separate us from God. And I would say that it's kind of evil. He most often uses our pain, our disappointments, our life experiences. He uses these things to cause us to question God so that he doesn't make us move away from God. We choose to do it ourselves. And I'll be honest with you. I, I think there's nothing more evil in all of the mani manipulation in creation. I think that's the most evil of all manipulations. An enemy who comes in and tries to sow discord between us and our Heavenly Father who's good to get us to the point where he can't make us walk away because he doesn't have the authority to do that. But he lies to us and we believe him to the point where we choose to walk away from him. And then he points at us and perverts all these experiences. Ha ha, look at you. <laughs> look what you chose to do. You, you did this. You betrayed God. I didn't do this. You did it. That's pretty evil. That's sadistic. Because then it gets us to question our identity. It gets us to question the core of us. He's trying to pervert our experiences because he wants us to disconnect. Then he accuses us. What's his name? The accuser of the brethren. Everyone say the accuser. Here's a good, this is just free advice. For me, for, if we ever hear accusation, it is never from God. Never. But, well, I think that, that person, I think they did something wrong. It's an accusation. It's never in the spirit of God. It is always from the Satan, from the accuser of the brethren. And what it, the Bible says, he accuses us day and night. He tries to accuse us. Who's he accusing us to? Typically to ourselves. Oh, look, I know what you thought. I know what you did. Oh, remember that? I remember your attitude here. Well, I see a pattern in your life. You're, you're bad. And so then he goes on and he tries to, tries to pull our betrayal because we chose to walk away. He tries to pull it to the surface and he says things to us like, see, God can't take care of you. He let those bad things happen to you. He let you have that experience. He's letting you feel this betrayal. He can't take care of you. Guess what? He's not good and you're not either. How many know that's a lie? Then he attacks us and he tells us how weak we are. He tells us we're wicked. He lies to us and says that we were actually the source of the betrayal. He planted the seed, but then tries to tell us it was us that did it, that rebellion was in our heart, that we're not a new creation, that we actually stirred up this betrayal toward God. But he's the one that planted the seed. We just believed a lie. And then he points at us and says, you're the evil one. You're the bad one. You have a bad reputation. And then he laughs at us. He scoffs at us. And he says things like, how could you do that to him? I thought he was perfect. I thought he was good. I thought you believed him. If you really believed him, how could you have walked away from him? Anyone ever heard these stupid lies? It's called shame. Shame. Everyone say shame. shame. Shame is the residue of this process. 
of him coming in, driving a wedge between us and God, and then saying, you chose to walk away, and then we feel bad for it, as if it was rooted in us. But we're new creations. Hello? He pulls our history into the conversation. He even tells us stories of our history. Hey, remember when you did that? He replays these movies in our head or replays these things we said or we did. And he tries to say, see, you've been capable of unfaithfulness this whole time. You just needed a little push. See, you've been unfaithful there. You were unfaithful there. And he just builds this, builds this, this uh, case against us and he lies to us. And he's partially right. Everybody see that? He's partially right, which hurts even more. But he forgets that we know we need a savior. <laughs> Hello? Now we're going to turn this for good now. <laughs> this is really depressing if we stopped there. He does all this stuff thinking he wins by doing this and saying, oh, see, you're wretched, you're horrible, you're nothing. And what he actually does is he kind of pushes us in the right direction when he does this. Because when we realize, you're right, I am horrible, I do need Jesus, Guess what happens? The truth comes back to us and we remember we need a savior. And that's a great place to be. Yeah. And when that happens, he loses. Because the thing he did to try to disconnect us, we have now chosen to come close to God again. Right? We recognize our need from God. That is called repentance. That's the start of repentance. I recognize that I need a savior because I can't save myself that moment that I recognize that, I've already moved toward God. How many have seen in the Old Testament, all the way through when the prophets were teaching, they would say, return to the Lord. Turn. They would usually say, turn. And what they're literally meaning is, you're walking this direction. The moment you're like, whoa, why am I going this way? This is the wrong way. The moment you do that, he comes near us. It's called repentance. And see what the enemy tries to do is drive a disconnection between us and God to cause us to accuse God and to accuse ourselves and to believe lies and to believe at our very core we're actually evil. But the truth is, Jesus paid for our evilness. <laughs> and any movement towards God, I want you to read this line here. Say it out loud with me. Any movement toward God always restores. Would you say that again? Any movement toward God always restores. You're like, man, this is, this is how the enemy's been messing with me lately. Okay, we know he's an enemy. We know these are the things that he tries to do. But any movement toward God brings us back to factory resettings. We're a new creation. Any movement toward God removes all that stuff we just walked through, all those mistakes, all the stuff that we did, and it brings us back into right connection with God. And then from that point on, we can walk forward with him knowing how to deal with any messes that we made because we're powerful. Now, no matter what degree of movement we have toward God, it's good. You're like, well, I can, all I can do right now is just lift my head. Good, lift your head. All I can do right now is get up off my knees. Get up. All I can do right now is just read one scripture. Go read the scripture. All I can do is take three minutes to pray. Do it. Yeah. Any movement toward God is repentance. Yeah. Anytime. And the Bible says that when we submit ourselves to God, this is James 4, 7 and 8. Got to be legal. We get the Bible at the end today. James 4, 7 and 8. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. 
What does it say then? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil. And then here's the better part. Draw near to God and he will what? He will draw near to us. This is really important. God wants us to know that he wants to be close to us more than anything. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21 It says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. And he calls God the Father here. You know, Ben Bay's testimony last week about the crazy lady in New York. He's the Father. He calls himself the Father. I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth gets its name. Do you know that word, every family here, means every father? Every father on earth gets their name. It was kind of cool. We're driving down the road. I'm talking with Levi. And he's like, my name is Levi Floyd Passon. I'm like, yes, your name is Levi Floyd Passon. Patterson. He's, he has, you know, he's still five. He's working out how to get all these you know, consonants and stuff in there. And he's like, well, well what's uh, so-and-so's last name? We start going, well, what's, what's Bubba's middle name? I'm like, that's Josiah Ray, and that's Matthias Hunter. And, and he's like, well, what's Mama's name? I said, Mama's name is Amanda Nicole Patterson. He's like, oh, okay. I said, did you know Mama's last name used to be Garrison? He's like, what? I was like, yes. I said, when women get married, they take the name of their husband. This is the way God set it up, right? And he's saying here, I kneel before God, the father of all fathers, whom everyone on earth gets his name from him. He's our father. We get our identity. We get our name from God, the father. And it says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Come on. So that Christ, everyone say, so that Christ may dwell in my heart. So that Christ may dwell in my heart. Come on, through faith. And, and Paul says, I prayed that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp. All right, listen to this last part. How wide? Everyone say, how wide? How long? How high? And how deep? is the love of Christ. Come on. And then he says, and for you to to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's what he wants for us, is that we would be so connected to him that all the fullness that flows through God himself begins to flow through us. No, No struggling. No fighting through life without, with lack, through poverty, through weakness. He wants his strength to flow through us because Christ is seated on the throne of our hearts and his spirit lives inside of us and he wants to strengthen us and fill us with all of his glorious riches so that we would know how great his love is. Come on. So it's true that our enemy devotes himself to driving disconnection between us and the Godhead, which is God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. But it is more true, and it's a superior reality, that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit devote themselves to creating connection with us. That's the good news right there. We have an enemy who's relentless, right? I mean, have you ever felt like that before? Satan's relentless. But we have a God who's more relentless. The Bible says that even youth grow tired and weary, but God doesn't get tired. And he always pursues connection with us. 
Every second of the day, all of creation is in unison with the heart of God and it is drawing us toward him in connection. When we wake up in the morning, we take the puppy out to use the restroom and we hear the birds chirping. It's God calling to the deepest place of my heart saying, I'm here, I'm your creator and I want you to be connected to me. Every moment of the day, last night, how many saw the sunset last night? Anyway, oh my goodness. So we have our, our, our door in our house has stained glass uh, windows and it's got like vines and stuff growing up. And there are certain times when I can look at that and know, man, there's a really awesome sunset coming tonight because the color of it turns. And it turned this crazy orange pink color. And I told Manny, I was like, oh, I got to get up. So I went outside. I'm like, oh my goodness, look how beautiful the sky is. It was creation calling my heart. Yeah. Saying, connect with me. God is relentless. Jesus is relentless. The Holy Spirit is relentless in trying to connect with us. You've got these two forces fighting. One is trying to distract us and disconnect us. One is trying to pull us close. Everything that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit do is toward us. Did you know that? There has not... Come on. There's not been one time in any of our lives where God has pulled away from us. Not one time. We've pulled from him. We've disconnected from him, but he's relentless. There's not one season. There's not one painful experience. There's not one victory. There's not one time of loneliness ever in our life where God just pulled away from us. He only did it one time in all of history. And it was when Jesus was on the cross and he withdrew his presence from Jesus. He turned from him. And Jesus felt the void and the emptiness of what separation from God felt like. And that was the reason he said it is finished. That's the reason he finished it at the cross was because that feeling was too painful. Because the Bible says it's in him we move, we live, and we have our being. Yes. There's not one moment that God has pulled himself away from us no matter where we've been. He is always moving close to us. He's always tearing down walls. He's always breaking through barriers. He's always fighting through our defenses. Always. Yes. He's more relentless than the enemy trying to disconnect us. And everything they do is to move toward us. Every moment of the day, they pursue us. Listen to this. Nothing can discourage them. <laughs> Nothing we do can discourage them from pursuing us. Nothing can motivate them toward disconnection. Oh, man. Whew. You know the scripture. We got to go there, right? Come on, Romans 8. It's probably one of the greatest whole chapters of the Bible. And Romans 8, 28 through 38 is probably some of the most quoted scripture in the Bible that we ever quote. All of us, we heard it. And he says this, he says, we know in all things, everyone say in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. I want to say it like this. I know what it means, but I want to say it like this. And we know this in all things, God moves toward us for the purpose of connection. In all things, he moves toward us for the purpose of connection. And then it goes on and he says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the son so that he might be the firstborn among brothers and sisters. Let's skip on down. 
And it says he called us and he justified us and then he will also glorify us. And it says, what then shall we say in response to all of these things? And this is the conclusion. If God, say it with me, if God is for me, who can be against me? He did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us. How will he not also along with him graciously, come on, give us all things. Everyone say all things. This is what is here for. It says, who will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then can condemn? No one. Christ Jesus died. More than that, he was raised to life and he's seated at the right hand of God. And guess what he's doing, guys? He's interceding for us. He's praying the will of God over our lives. How many knows what happens when we, when we pray the will of God? We get what we ask for, right? Jesus is looking at every one of us and he's praying God's perfect will over our lives. And if we get what we ask for when we pray the will of God, how much more will Jesus, the great intercessor, get what he's praying for? He has never had an unanswered prayer. So the things he's praying over you right now, I want you to get that picture. Jesus is interceding for you right now. He's fighting your case. He's championing you before God. He's celebrating you. He's declaring God's plans for your life, your purposes over your life. And this goes on all the time. Every moment of the day, he is cheering you on and pleading your case and celebrating who God says that you are over all the other voices of what says you, who, uh, of all the other voices that says you're not good enough. You're not enough. You can't talk well. You can't preach well. You know, all the voices that come in. He's louder and he's relentless. He doesn't get tired of doing this. Oh, Satan may get tired because he doesn't have perseverance. He doesn't have focus. I think he has ADD. He can't have any good characteristics. Listen to me. Our enemy can't have any good characteristics, but God has all of the good characteristics. He's long-suffering. He's patient. He's slow to anger. Come on. And he's standing before God, Jesus interceding, pleading our case, praying for us. Come on. And he says, so because of that, who can separate us from the love of Christ? You see it? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He's asking a question. If Jesus is interceding for us to have connection, then who can disconnect us? And he goes, shall trouble? I mean, he had some trouble. Did that trouble separate you from Christ's love? Did Jesus run away from you because you had trouble? Woo. Hardships. Some of us have had some hardships. Did that separate us from Christ's love? No. It goes on. Persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. He goes, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered sheep to the slaughter. But know this, in all things, come on, y'all know this, in all things, we are more than what? We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. And then here's the good news, because we're here to have a connected life. I am convinced that neither death nor life, everyone say death nor life. Death nor life. Whew. Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, you notice it doesn't say anything about the past there? It's really interesting. The Bible chooses, that God chose his words carefully because the past has no authority over us. 
The only authority the past has over us is the authority we believe it has. <laughs> and God is in our future prof prophetically declaring over our lives what we need in the present to get us to the future. He's not going into our past and scolding us trying to get us to move forward. He calls us from the future and he pulls us prophetically. So nothing present, nothing in the future, no powers, no height, no depth, nor anything else. Everyone say anything else. <laughs> in all of creation. Like, man, we really live in an evil world. We talked a lot about that last week, right? We live in, a, in, a, in an evil world. It's like it's getting lighter at the same time it's getting darker. It's strange. It's like revival's breaking out all over, but then it's like, whoa, we're passing laws for what? Like it's getting more and more evil, right? But guess what? Nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Amen? No powers, nothing in all of creation will be able, would you say it with me? Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that's the truth. And that's what's going on right now. You know, there's this great story. I just, I'll just reference it real quickly, just to close. In John chapter 6, it's the craziest message Jesus ever preached. It's like his whole agenda for the message was to offend people in greater degree as he kept preaching. He started out and a few people got offended. And he preached a little bit more and a few more people got offended. And every time they got offended, they would leave. They would disconnect. Ooh, this is tough. And then Jesus would crank it up a little bit more. And they're like, oh, I don't, I don't know about that. And they would leave and they would disconnect. And it got all the way down and Jesus goes, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, then you can't have any part of my kingdom. And everyone's looking around like, okay, that's all I needed. I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm disconnecting. We're out. He's talking about eating flesh, drinking blood. I don't have no idea what he's talking about. He called himself the bread that came down from heaven. He, he says he's greater than Moses. I, I, like this guy is offending everything. And they all leave him. And Jesus looks to his disciples and he looks at Peter specifically and says, do you want to leave too? Do you want to disconnect? And Peter answered him, and this is so beautiful. Where else would we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. Some other translation says it really beautifully. It says, where else would we go, Lord? When you speak, my heart comes alive. And he says, we have come to believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. So we're not leaving you. We're not disconnecting. And, and Peter goes on and tells him, you know the story. There's nothing. I will never leave you, Jesus. He's like, well, actually, here in a few hours, you're going to deny me three different times. But I'm going to restore you. Because I always move toward you. Even if you choose to disconnect, I'm going to be relentless and I'm going to restore that connection. And I want you right now to think just for a moment of all the times you felt him this week reaching out to connect with you. What did the psalm say? How, how beautiful are your thoughts of me, O oh God? How vast is the sum of them? If I were to try to count them, they would be more than all the sands of the ocean. Whew. It's too great for me to comprehend. That's how many times he's been thinking about you this week. That's how many times he's tried to connect with us. 
There's this new term, and uh, it's not really new, but it's becoming popular in, um, in psychiatry and mental health, uh, in the mental health world, and it's called uh, connection styles. And it's ways in which people connect. It's like people, we naturally have a call from our, from our being to connect with people. And some people will, will, will do it in different ways. There's, there's different styles. But, but God picks the perfect style to connect with us. He's reaching out constantly. He's calling us. He's pulling us. He gives us dreams. He, the Bible says he sings over us as we sleep. Like he's constantly trying to connect with us. And so here's what I would, uh, would you stand? We're going to close. And I want us to pray because the enemy's lied to us and we've let him lie. And I'm sorry it's a little warmer today than normal. Um, yeah, we came this morning and we're like, well, one of the ACs isn't working really well. So I, I noticed and I was like, man, whew, what's going on? Well, it is, it is Texas and we just started summer, everyone. That's the good news. We've been like two weeks into summer. So, hey. <laughs> anyway, I want us to break connection with the lies of the enemy. And he uses all different kinds of things to, to disconnect us. Most of them are not, they're, they're not very threatening. Most of them are, are, are kind of okay things or necessary things, but he uses them to drive a wedge between us and God. And so the first thing that I would like for us to do is to, we've got to repent. We've got to turn. We've got to turn and say, you know, God, I, I have felt myself disconnecting. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm going to ask that question. And we're going to, we're going to begin to shift and push more into prayer and, and our altar times and, and requiring responses. Like, that, like the Lord requires a response from us. So I'm going to ask you this question. If you have felt your heart disconnecting, you felt it, and you want that to stop right now, would you just raise your hand and put it right back down? Yeah. Okay, come on. Thank you. Thank you. That, that raising of the hand, that admitting, yeah, you're right, man. I've, I've felt my heart drift. Just drift. The moment we feel that, the moment we acknowledge that, he comes really close to us. We draw near to him, and we become aware how he's drawn near to us. So we're going to repent. We're going to pray a prayer of repentance right here. Hmm. So Jesus... <laughs> How about you, would you pray this with me? Jesus, I let go of everything that has caused me to disconnect from you. Nothing is worth being away from you. So I lay it down now. Good things and the bad things. If it separates me from you, I don't want it. And I ask for you to make me aware of how close you are. Forgive me for walking away, for drifting, for becoming distracted. I receive your love. <laughs> I receive your love. Come on. <laughs>
<laughs> so now we've, we're letting go. We've let go of the bad. Now we're going to spend a few moments and we're going to create an atmosphere of worship and we're going to drink in God's love. We're going to soak in his presence.